Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Roziel and today my special guest is Sean Tepper. He is the Senior Supervising Editor of Esports and Video Games at The Score. The Score is a online platform that gives news about sports. And Sean actually got hired there to work on college football. And now he's working on esports and video games, and he's been doing that for over five years now. So it's really cool getting to talk to him about his his career in journalism, how he got to where he is, and how much he loves what he's doing at the score. It was so much fun to get to chat with him. He's also a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan from Canada, which is pretty interesting. But love uh, love what he's doing, love how he's doing it. So thank you so much to Sean, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. cool today my special guest sean tepper you're cool man don't worry we're live it's fine i don't edit much of this out anyway he's the senior supervising editor of esports and video games at the score he's a journal he was a journalist and still is i guess but he was a journalist for multiple outlets previously he covered college football at one point which i'm really excited to talk about uh sean thanks for hanging out with me today man i appreciate it no problem thanks so much for having me man this should be fun. This should be a lot of fun. Um, but the first question for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Sports? I mean, because it's awesome. I grew up watching it. It's, the, it's got everything you need. It's got the competition aspect of it. It's got the team camaraderie aspect of it. And it's very entertaining to watch when you're, when you're off. It's, got, it's the complete package. Um, I've been a sports fan since, uh, since I was born, and uh, it's not going to be changing anytime soon. I love it. Good stuff, man. Yeah, I was I was born into it as well. Unfortunately, I was born into being a Mets fan, so not too too much happiness to go around. But uh, hey, streaks get broken, as you well learned. Big Absolutely, Kansas City Chiefs fan, right? Chiefs, Raptors won a championship last year. This has been my usually my teams are all really not great, and this is like this year has been my year for championships. So at this rate, the Blue Jays will win the World Series if we get baseball back. Oh my goodness, I would root for that. I'd be cool if the Blue Jays won. Just like a random ass team like that, I'm totally for it. Other than the Mets, of course. But. They're nice and young. Vladdy Jr.'s there. Bichette's there. Like we, we've got a team. If they can, uh, if they can hit the diamond, we'll be good to go. Yeah, exactly. We'll see what happens with that. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later, of course. Let's hope everyone. Let's hope sports comes back sooner rather than later. But you're an esports guy, so as you said before, we got on. Business is booming. So, um, I do want. I know you told me before, but so you said Raptors fan. That's because you're up in Canada. That kind of makes sense. Where does the Kansas City Chiefs aspect come from? Oh man, it's so it's the worst origin story you can imagine. There's nothing special about it, but um, I grew up in a Packers household. So right off the bat, the NFC North was off limits unless I wanted to go be a Packers fan, which was cool. But you know, I didn't want to be the same, follow the same team that my dad did. It seemed a little cliche, although I could tell you every Packers stat for the last 25 years, no problem. Um, but the first football game, a computer game actually that we bought, that my dad bought for us, was NFL Fever 2000. I believe Brett Favre was on the cover and I believe it was a black and white cover. And uh, I randomized teams to start because I didn't know anybody but the Packers. Kansas City Chiefs were the first team that uh, showed up and it was beginning the end. <laughs> uh, nice and easy, man. There's nothing wrong with that. It makes, it makes life simple. You know, when yeah. you're a kid, just 
hey, cool colors. Awesome. Their name came first. I love it. Well, and that's it. And being up in Canada too, it's not like we, you know, you're, you're super attached to a team. I'm not from Toronto originally. I'm from Montreal. So I know a lot of my friends here in Toronto, they're Bills fans because Buffalo's right across the bridge. Um, I have a lot of friends. My brother's a New York Jets fan. Makes sense because they're in, I want to be a little different. So figured, you know, they got good barbecue out in Kansas City. They're a Midwestern team. I got, you know, a little bit of hipster pride there and it's good to go. Good for you, man. Honesty is the first step. I appreciate that, Sean. And I guess why, why did your dad love the Packers so much? I would have to ask him. He's been a fan, you know, since Super Bowl one, like following it, like, you know, I've heard every story, you know, the ice bowl I've seen met multiple times, mm-hmm. um, you know, watched Brett Favre through all those years and literally could tell you the entire, you know, green Bay roster from like 2003 upwards, even their offensive line, which, uh, I think was one of the best in 2004, the Packers had one of the best offensive lines, at least that I've watched in football. So that is, I mean, I love, I love your dedication, man. I do think it's fun. (laughs) And I I respect Packers fans. I mean, I think it's so cool. Green Bay not being even close to a major metropolis and still like the, the ravageness, you know, the, 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 um, the intensity of the fan base, I think is fantastic. And you find them all over the, uh, all over, obviously the, you know, international at this point in Canada too. I got, I got the chance last year. I actually went to Green Bay for my dad's 60th birthday. My brother and I bought tickets for the first game of the season, Sunday Night Football. And um, I thought I knew what we were getting into. And I had no idea what we were getting into. It was awesome. It was so much fun. Were they at least nice people? I mean, I know it's Wisconsin, so like Minnesota, Wisconsin, nice Canada, right? All that, all that kind of. As far as I'm concerned, they were nice, as nice as Canadians there. I didn't meet a single person that I didn't think was lovely. I love it, man. Good stuff. But I, I, you know, I think that's great. I would love to ask your dad how he became a fan. And uh, I have a couple of jokes about Packers fans. Just, um, you know, like, how do you have Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for like almost a combined 30 years and only have two Super Bowls? And I'm just going to leave it at that. We don't have yeah. to talk about it. It is what it is. I want to talk about you some more. So Kansas City Chiefs, I told you to get ready. Um, I have one trivia question for you because as you uh, you when you and I spoke on the phone, you were rattling off, again, offensive linemen from like the 2002 team or whatever. Well, there's a is, lot of useless knowledge up in here. I just hope that I can apply it to your question. <laughs> well, let, we'll see. It's not, it's not that insane. My question's not that insane. But first, I want a random athlete from you. I, w- I want you to dig down, Sean. I want you to dig down real deep and just find the most random athlete you can from the Kansas City Chiefs. So I have a lot of really random jerseys because, again, like I could have gotten the Priest Holmes jerseys, the Dante Hall jerseys. Everybody had those. I needed to show everybody that like, not only am I a fan, I'm, I'm a hardcore fan. Um, the mo- so I, I would jump the gun on a lot of jerseys because up in Canada, I mean, you rarely saw Kansas City Chiefs jerseys to begin with. So I can't remember the year right now, but I remember exactly where I was. The Chiefs, Glenn Dorsey, who was a defensive tackle out of LSU, dropped the Chiefs. I can't remember if it was three or five that he dropped to us, but I instantly, literally, he was drafted and I went on NFL.com and I bought and customized his jersey. And when I got to school, I was in high school at the time. When I got to school the next day, I told my buddy, who's a diehard Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, that I bought the Glenn Dorsey jersey. And he said, oh, you ordered it custom. Like, so they announced that he's like keeping his number from college. And my job Uh-oh. dropped. And I was like, well, I really hope he sticks with 72. He did stick with 72. So I'm going to go with Glenn Dorsey because I still have his jersey in a 2XL over here. I love it, man. That is too funny. Oh, good stuff. That's a good story. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been even funnier if he didn't keep his number. Uh, but I was sticking with the jersey I had regardless of what exactly. number he was I mean, choosing. You're- you're in high school. Those jerseys are pretty expensive. Uh, no reason to, to get another one made. Yeah. All right. So I did, honestly, I didn't do too, too much research, but I found this very quickly and I was just angry at the answer. So do you know who is number two all time in receptions in Kansas City Chiefs history? Number two all time. 
God, I feel like it's got to be somebody pretty random. I want my, my head's telling me it might be Dwayne Bow just based on pure volume that he was there. It is Dwayne Bow, And I'm okay. so angry about it because I would draft him every year in fantasy and he sucked. And then I look at this list and I say, how the hell does he get to number two? And I mean, he was there for seven years. We don't have a lot of great receivers now. Now we do. Now we have well, a ton now, of great receivers. Yeah, now it's, now it's but, insane. Uh, but Eddie Kennison and Johnny crazy. Morton were the guys to cheer for. <laughs> wide receiver back in the day <laughs> i love it man but yeah i found that statistic and that just made me so angry so i wanted to see if you could get it and you got it. do you know who's number two in yards though like total yards uh yard, receiving yards i apologize uh wait you said Dwayne bow was number two he was number two in receptions oh yes receiving yards receiving yards Dwayne bow's number Gonzalez. three if that makes you feel better tony gonzalez is number one in receiving yards that's an easy one okay Oh, number two in, um, I don't know, it's got to be a running back. Otis Taylor. Otis Roger Taylor. Taylor. Yep. So I guess All I got right. you on and something. You got me on that one. That one I was not going to get. <laughs> All good. All good. I, I thought it was going to be some random guy. I was going to be like, no way is Sammy Parker anywhere yeah. out there. Oh, gosh. No, that's too funny. <laughs> um, all right. So back to your story. We had some fun with the Chiefs, and I'm sure it'll come back around a little bit. So you obviously have always loved sports that's a very clear clear cut and being canadian and i didn't know that you guys watched football up in canada i'm not gonna lie i know canadian football of course but obviously it, i don't watch it's canadian all football don't tell no. anyone okay i won't tell anyone don't worry i'll, I'll edit that out or i'll put a nice Perfect. Beep in. put a nice beep in but did you was the goal to always work in sports in some capacity yeah i mean i was one of those guys kids who really knew what i wanted to do from the beginning it, it changed a little bit throughout my time but i always knew i wanted to write um i wasn't great at math i was really not good at anything science related and i loved english and linguistics and i started wanting to write novels and uh, then i found out that writing novels is really hard and you have to you know be <laughs> a much better writer than i am and i started then i, I came my family is very big on the news. We watch a lot of news and follow news coverage. And so, you know, I knew I wanted to apply those skills to another field um, and the field that combines sports and my love for writing was journalism. And, you know, I, I played sports growing up. Uh, I followed sports. I'm friends with diehard sports fan sports was always part of me. And I knew that I was never forget going pro. I was never playing university ball anywhere. Um, and this was kind of my, my way into the world of sports to share the stories and the passions that I love. So once I was in high school, everything that I did was to put myself in a position to become a sports reporter. And uh, it took a while to get there, but uh, it eventually did get there. And here we are now. That is awesome. Yeah. Here you are now hanging out with me at 630 at night, man. You're, you're a trooper. Look, you Nowhere made it else to the I want to be. Sean, you made it to the top. Let me tell you that. That's it. Um, and I guess, as you said, you did everything you could from, you know, from high school on. What exactly were you doing? I mean, where did you have a blog? Did you write for the school newspaper? I want people out there to listen and understand what exactly it takes because you don't just get out of college and get a, you know, a job being a reporter, right? There's a lot that goes into it well before that. Absolutely. So I, um, it started really, I wrote for the student paper in uh, CGEP, which is a, Quebec has a different kind of school system than you're probably used to, but essentially we have high school up until grade 11. And then like our equivalent of grade 11 and 12 is in a two year like program. And then we do university in Quebec for uh, three years after that. So it was in CGEP after high school. Uh, there was a student paper at uh, Dawson College, which is the, the CGEP I went to. And uh, I fully immersed myself there. And I knew I wanted to do sports. There were a lot of people there who also wanted Wanted to do sports and I just I was willing to write whatever was needed if I got some sports assignments that was great but if it was you know something about 
campus news, uh, the campus art scene. Like I was just hungry for bylines. I knew that to get into journalism school, I needed bylines. And my high school was a smaller high school. We didn't have a student paper. There was no really, unless it was really creative writing, there was no options to get published. And blogs were just starting up, but you know, I didn't have my own computer there <laughs> at that time. So it was, I, I didn't really get to, to start it up on, uh, from the blogosphere um, area. So I, I did a lot of uh, reporting for the student paper and then would just pick up gigs wherever I could try to, you know, get press passes wherever I could and just fully immerse myself there. Uh, and then, you know, I picked up enough clippings to get accepted to uh, Ryerson University over here in Toronto. Um, which has a you know a big J school that's uh, it's pretty well known up here, and then started writing for the student paper there. Um, and literally, if you know our program would send out emails saying like, "Hey, here are these writing opportunities," and I'm a very competitive person by nature, so for me, I just you know I really wanted to. I, I was game to write anything. I just wanted the exposure. I wanted the experiences. I wanted to figure out what it is too that I like to write because in my head I wanted to write about sports. But I wasn't sure if, you know, in practice, it was going to you know, work out. It's tough sometimes to separate yourself from the stuff that you love and you're so passionate about. Um, that didn't end up being the case. I, I wrote a lot of sports uh, at the university level. I loved following our Ryerson basketball team. Um, really good ball players there, and they were on the up and up at the time. Uh, and then I became, sport, uh, you know, became an editor, uh, up at, sports editor up at my student paper. And uh, that was, you know, kind of the beginning of the end. Picked up some internships. Uh, was lucky enough to land a few jobs and uh, and then finally got my got my break with the score. Absolutely. Well deserved break too. And I'm I'm very excited to just ask you a boatload of questions about that. But you brought up a really good point that I think is necessary for anyone in media, detaching yourself from the fandom, right? Fan is short for fanatic. That's why you love sports so much. And then you get into a profession where you kind of you know, it's one thing if you write for the school newspaper, right? It's one thing if you write for the Mets. Um, but in most situations, you kind of have to separate yourself. How easy or how hard was that for you, especially at a young age? I mean, you know, we're 19, 20, 21 years old. We're as crazy as you're going to get, right? Hormonally, yeah. at least, right? <laughs> and, and, and fanatically, most likely. Like, how, how easy or how hard was it for you to detach, uh, you know, the outcomes of games to your personal well-being? Honestly, it was really easy because I wasn't overly invested in the university teams. I had just, I had come from Montreal from a different province and I was able to immediately separate myself um, from the team there. But, you know, it was tough as I worked longer at the student paper, I got to know the players pretty well. I got to know the coaches and the athletics and I started, I started to like them. They're all really nice guys and nice people. Um, so it's definitely hard, but you just got to remember that your, your job is to write towards your audience. Your audience is your first, second and third um, priorities and as long as you are keeping that in mind and you are writing for them and you are being honest to them I think it's it's pretty easy to separate yourself because one of the things that they don't teach you in J school is you can be friends and you can have personal relationships with these guys and also remain objective it's not one or the other um, part of the onus of you being a professional is being able to separate those when the time comes to it Absolutely. So it was definitely uh, pretty tough, but uh, and that line I, I wrote for a Raptors fan site in my first university, Raptors HQ, and I was, you know, I was a big basketball fan, and uh, that became a little bit hard because uh, you know I would, but luckily it was a fan site, so you in that that was a situation where you were allowed to ride the highs and to ride the lows, and for the season I covered it, it was more lows than highs, but there were some moments. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, now especially you know the the last couple years. Um, you know, sans this kind of delayed, the Raptors have been looked absolutely fantastic. And I was 100% rooting for them last year. I thought it was great um, just what they were able to do and how they were able to do it. I was, oh, it was so excited. Wild here. It was I, so I could fun. only imagine what it was like. I have a couple of friends um, up in the Toronto area and they were saying like it was in 
saying. So I'm glad you got that opportunity. Oh. Hopefully, again, it comes back for this year, and we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, man. So uh, you've been in the journalism space for a little while now. You've kind of seen it. Sweet Kansas City Chiefs mug, by the Thank way. You. You've kind of seen it. Um, you you worked at Papers, as yeah. that's what you told me before, and now you're kind of working in you know a completely different. You know, you're working on YouTube videos, and and you know now you're in a very digital space. How have you like? What have you seen? And and did you kind of expect? the way everything moved a little bit or not expect, but at least did you have the foresight to say like, uh, papers are dying, probably not going to be around for too much longer. Like how did you see this, I guess the last few years play out in the, in the journalism space specifically? So when I, when I decided to get into journalism at university, like I told you, like my, my family were very, were very media attentive and I, I was very aware of what the job market was, um, coming into it. I knew that, you know, it was shifting from, uh, traditional, uh, printed papers to digital, but, you know, they couldn't figure out how to make money off of this whole digital thing. And the, the space was really up in the air. Um, I was young and foolish and didn't let that deter me. And I'm happy that I didn't because if I was older and actually thought about, you know, the stakes and, you know, paying rent and all these things, maybe I would have thought differently. Um, but I, I knew I wanted to be a newspaper writer. I, there are very few feelings as euphoric as seeing your name in print. Um, and, I, and I love that. And I was lucky enough out of, uh, while I was in university and then out of university to write for the Toronto Star and the Globe and Mail um, wow. and would see my name in print a lot of the time. And it was awesome. But you know where the industry is going. Everybody's a, everybody in the industry is very aware of the realities that, uh, you know, it, the print product is not uh, is not bringing the money that it used to. Um, and I, you know, just from being kind of the age that we are, like I was always aware of the internet and Facebook and YouTube and, you know, when Twitter became a thing. So I knew my belief was always that people were, are always going to be hungry for the content. People want to digest content. People want to read articles. People want to watch media that is never going to go away. It's the platforms that they're watching it on uh, that are changing. And I'm a big believer that it's the media's job to cater to their audience. Like I said before, our main job is to make sure that our audience is being served. And just because they're not digesting that content in a newspaper form, that the onus is on the news is on the, the media outlets to produce content in forms that their, their, their audience wants to read it in. So I don't think it's, it's bad or anything like that. The, the move that it's making, I think it's just a little bit different. And did I see it coming? Not to the extent I think it ended up playing up in, but I definitely knew that we were making a shift towards digital and wish I had a little bit more foresight into that because when I was schooled, I went into the print streams. Like I, I cannot tell you how badly I just wanted to be a career print journalist. Um, and, and then kind of realizing, you know, that as a long-term uh, career that those, you know, don't really exist uh, anymore. Yeah, they do not exist nearly at least like what they used to. Exactly. Um, you know, it's it. there's still papers that go out. I mean, you know, there's still the Sports Illustrated magazines that go out. But as we've seen, I think just over the last year, how many people have been laid off from Sports Illustrated and how many um, freelancers are hiring instead. And just the industry is crazy, but you're completely right. Like the thirst and hunger for information is not going to go anywhere. It's just yeah. where and how you receive that information, right? Whether Absolutely. that is through a YouTube video, whether that is through, um, you know, the daily podcast or whatever, you know, just kind of people like to, you know, before you only could get print. Now yeah. there's so many different opportunities, more people like them, like, like receiving that information in different ways. And I think at least it makes sense that you did eventually see that. I'm sorry you couldn't be a, a print journalist, but I guess you could be a blogger too. That's, That's practically all good. the same thing, right? It's like, all mixed and matching, but it's also like, I hate when I have friends and they're like, you know, it's so bad that I only get my news from Instagram. And I was like, but if you're getting it from the right outlets, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't mm -hmm. feel ashamed to get your news from Instagram. If you're getting it from 
I don't know, a meme page, yeah. maybe not the best place, but like, yeah. I think the New York times does a great job at con- condensing some very complicated stories into an Instagram post. And I think that's awesome. I don't think that anyone should ever be ashamed with getting their news on, you know, social media or something like that, but some people are, and it's, uh, it's shocking to me. Yeah. I mean, it's as long as you're getting the news, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't matter where you're getting it. As long as you're getting it from credible sources, um, you know, we could, we could, I mean, I hate all mainstream news personally, all of it, both sides of the coin. I think they're all just awful, it, but that's a whole nother thing. That's a personal, <laughs> that's a whole personal thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's just very important. The one thing I do hate about the industry is the clickbaitiness, the, um, the sensationalism of it. But again, that's the frustrating thing is that's what drives the ratings, right? Like in many situations, in many cases, sports or non, um, you know, it's, it's the clickbait articles that, so you're going to, they're going to keep feeding the masses what they like. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if you have any hot takes on that. Yeah, no, I think like I, when, you know, I was, when I was in J school, it was really the, the rise of Buzzfeed and, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, Buzzfeed, it's lists and it's cats and it's this stuff. And I said, <laughs> yeah, but they actually have like a really good reporting team and like they do some reporting. They need the cats though to stay, to keep the lights on. And, you know, if, one part of the business is being able to keep the other part of the business alive. That just shows that you have a complete Mm -hmm. business and they're doing it kind of both sides of it. So I, you just need to dig a little bit deeper in there and uh, not everything is kind of as surface level as it might seem. Somebody can produce, I mean, newspapers have always put out horoscopes. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, horoscopes, I wouldn't argue. I mean, some people love them. I hope I'm not offending anybody, but uh, that's not hard hitting journalism, but it's still, you know, it was there and it was, it's, it's always there in the back always there i'm pretty sure mercury is also always in retrograde i don't think i've ever heard it not be in retrograde maybe i'm just not paying attention enough maybe i should buy those newspapers some more um but no i think i think i'm gonna have to go back and take that clip out is uh, uh i can't remember exactly how you said it now but that was perfect they need the, they need the cats to keep the lights on man and that it, it makes sense like it's a funny thing to say but it also makes sense as you said it that's a complete business you need do you need x to make sure that y can happen so you can equal z and you can have that complete complete business so that they can do the reporting that they need to do and hey some people like to look at cats sometimes there's nothing wrong with that no and more people like to look at cats unfortunately and it's just the reality it's working in the reality of the situation exactly and maybe if they could sneak some real news into the cat articles see that's the next level you see you should trade cut that out and trademark that there we go i love it put news inside of cats exactly there's gonna be some good nuggets of wisdom guys you are so lucky and with um with again like the the change in the internet and in journalism um oh shoot i had a really good question i wonder where it went all right well it's gone now come back Um, yeah it might come back a little bit later so Oh, okay. Here we go. With journalism specifically and kind of how you did it, I noticed that you jumped around to a few different places. With that, is that more of the old and less of the new, I guess? Like, is there an opportunity for you to go somewhere, start and rise up the ranks as in the score? Or did you jump around for a specific reason? Was it to climb the ladder? How did you kind of look at moving around jobs so much? Yeah, no, it's up. There's absolutely that ability. I mean, I've been at the score for five years now, so mm. I, I've, I've, I've risen through the ranks of course, um, yeah. and it's been, it's been awesome. But at the beginning, you know, you're really cutting your teeth. And I, I, you know, I did an internship for a summer at a, um, at a, at essentially a weekly magazine that's now defunct here. And then, you know, that was my summer there. And then the following summer I got an internship at the Toronto star and I stuck there for a year and a half, but it was, you know, it was just a long, standing kind of contract work internship Mm. and it was the same with the globe uh when i was at the globe and mail it was a summer contract for six months like these were all you know 
all short-term contracts. And then uh, when I moved from the Globe and Mail to the score to report on college football, that was a, you know, a full-time uh, gig there and it felt good. But I, I know a lot of people in the industry who jump around at the early parts in their career, who are jumping around the later parts of their career. Uh, some people who are making incredible money just freelancing and being their own boss too. So I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. And I know some people who started at one place and have been there for seven or eight years. That's why like the media in landscape might seem a little intimidating to get into, especially like I know we've talked about it a little and some parts are a little more or, you know, doom and gloom than others. But I, I, I truly believe that if you are, are good and you have good stories to tell and you're driven and passionate, you'll find a way to make money in this industry. I truly believe that. 100%. Everybody, as we said, they're still look, everyone's still looking for that information. It's just how they get it. Now, if you could speak to the audience and you can adapt with the times, yeah. I think that's all you need to do. And, and I, think it lets, I think that's a perfect time to lead into what you're doing uh, or at least how you got into the score. How did the opportunity itself come about to cover college football at a Canadian sports outlet? I got to know, man. So I was, I was, I was actually through a friend that I um, knew at the student paper. Now I never worked with her, unfortunately. I wish I did at the time. She was a sports editor, a longtime sports editor at my student paper, and you know she had. I, I believe she graduated just as I was entering, and through you know different parties and meetups, we'd met and built a relationship. And she is awesome and beyond talented. And I really, I just, it was like we got to work together. Like I got to find a way to work with you. And we kept, we kept chatting here and there. And then um, near the end of my contract, uh, when I was with the Globe and Mail doing, you know, mostly crime and city uh, reporting over there, uh, you know, she had messaged me and said, Hey, like, what do you know about college football? And I was like, you know, I, I know a bit I about college football. Like I dabble. I know Glenn Dorsey's number. I think that's enough, right? Yeah. I was like, I, you know, I watch, I, I told her, I was like, look, I couldn't tell you like every like D2 school, but like SEC, like, you know, all those, like, especially I'm a big SEC football guy. There are other, there are other leagues. I get it, but SEC football. It means more. Come on. It's, that's my opinion. Um, but yeah, it was like big 10, like, like, yeah, I, I know the stuff. And then um, she passed my name over to her boss and uh, her boss interviewed me. And I, I remember we were talking about Des Bryant's time at Oklahoma state. That catch. Uh, yeah. The catch was oh, crazy. And then we were talking about my, my call, my favorite college football moment of all time is because one of the first like really great ones I saw was when Michael Crabtree on Texas that Tech on that, yes. caught it. And then the whole school flooded. Oh my and that God. was when I was like, you know what? College might be more exciting than the pros. 100%. And that I totally was like the, 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 the flip uh, when the switch flipped in my head. Um, and yeah, and the rest is history. But I, I only wrote college football for them for about six months, unfortunately. It or must have fortunately, been. I should say. Yeah, for, at least you got the time with it, man. I mean, I, I'm a huge college football junkie. Um, awesome. You know, the Who's Michael your team? Crab- uh, nobody. That's the thing. That, that's what makes it better. That's so the I, best. I used to be a Penn State fan. And then things happened and I stopped being a Penn State fan. So now I'm very uh, agnostic to just give me the best games, give me the best teams. I just want to watch everybody. So it's kind of nice. Like I only hate, which is funny. Uh, Like I have a very good friend of mine. I was in his wedding. He's going to be in mine. He went to Ohio State. So we just, every time they lose, man, it is awesome. And we are relentless because me and all my buddies here in New Jersey, we all hate Ohio State. So he's out there in Cleveland, uh, you know, living with it. And uh, yeah, so we, we bust on him for that. But I was no. a big Terrell Pryor fan back in the day, if it's any consolation. Hey man, we all, like, I'm thinking about getting tattoos right now. So like, that's all, that's all we can really <laughs> say about that one. But no, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think college football is, it's more exciting. It's more diverse in the sense that, you know, you can watch, I mean, no more Georgia Tech, but I love a triple option offense. When it's run perfectly, it's gorgeous. 
absolutely gorgeous. Andy Reid did an interview. I'm going to, I'm going to forget who it was with, but I, I want to say it was with Therese Paler, formerly the Kansas City Star, now with Yahoo. He's their national football writer. And I'm sorry if it, if it wasn't you, um, but I believe it was. And he was talking about, you know, Therese was talking about how he was remembering Andy Reid five years ago when he was with the Kansas City Star. And he said, you know, you watch the college game and the college game is five years ahead of the pro game. And, you know, everyone laughed and whatever. And sure enough, five years later, Andy Reid won a Super Bowl with essentially a spread offense. Yep. That Imagine saying 10 years ago in the NFL that you're going to run a spread and like running back diamond, you know, we're going to get some guy in there and we're just going to go with five wide most of the time. You'd yep. be nuts. You'd be insane. And here we are. Uh, everyone here drafting are. Patrick Mahomes as soon as they possibly can uh, without getting made fun of from their friends. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's incredible. Uh, no, it, and it's, it's, I just find it so much more exciting. There's just so much more that you can do. There's way more games too. For sure. For me, it was also the fact that 90% of college football players, that's it. That's the end of the road for Mm -hmm. their football career. So that is truly playing for the love of the sport Mm -hmm. before, you know, unfortunately they're not getting paid with that's there's, I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but um, you know, that's where you see the true love from a lot of these guys who are not going to be drafted and just playing for school pride and, uh, and because they love the game of football. And so with the role at the score, what like with specifically the college football role what what were you doing and again going back to that fandom aspect of it like did you was was that something you guys tried to lean into a little bit more did you try and throttle back and i guess let's take a step back from that question actually and just explain what the score is how about let's start there let's start there so the score is a sports app they used to be a um, a sports station a 24-hour sports station up in canada and then uh they moved over and became a a sports app after they they sold their television assets to i don't know if rogers um back in the day up here and they i mean i used to grow up watching the score network um mostly because they had nba court surfing i didn't get all the channels so they would like court surf you know to all the games Mm -hmm. that was awesome and they were also they didn't do sports in the way that you normally did there was nobody with a shirt there was no shirt and tie it was it just seemed like normal people in normal clothes talking about how much they love sports and that really resonated with me instead of you know watching the the traditional anchor with Mm -hmm. their you know shirt and tie kind of reading off the stuff that was cool and that was that was fine but my cup of tea was definitely the score television network um and i was hoping that one day i would land there then they they sold their assets moved over to a sports app and their massive sports app here they're also available they're all over the place they're pretty big in the u.s too and um yeah, and they provide coverage, live scores, um, stats, and uh, it was always the the way that the score always felt to me. And I can say, working there now, that's absolutely it. Is it's fan service? It's fans delivering stuff to fans. Like everybody mm-hmm. is is a huge fan. Everyone cares a lot about you know all the stuff they're covering. Take a lot of pride in their work, uh, and it's awesome. And then, so uh, thank you for that. I do appreciate. I mean, I see the score stuff pop up on Twitter all the time. Like it's just kind of it's like SB Nation fan sided the score. Yeah. You see kind of all these like fan. I mean, I know the score is a little bit higher level than SB Nation in a lot of senses and same thing with um, with fan sided. But, you know, you're getting the information again. It doesn't matter where you're getting the information from as long as you're getting the information. That's the important part. And so I guess when when did the score and maybe you don't know the intricacies, but I'm just kind of curious. This is a question that just popped up. When did they see the digital revolution coming and realize like, hey, maybe we don't have to have all this extra TV stuff, we can kind of just keep everything on an app and, and on websites and blogs and, and YouTube videos. Honestly, that's, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Okay. Um, they're just a very forward thinking company. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
they got into the esports scene before ESPN. Like we were in esports before ESPN. Um, and well, that's not ESPN is a Titanic. They take so long to do anything at this point. <laughs> that's fair, but it's, I, you I know, know you, you know, you, you know what I'm saying there. So um, at a time when I mean, I I pit, when I was in J school, I pitched esports stories, and I was laughed out of a like out of a class once for for pitching an esports story. Like I, you know, it was you wouldn't say you were an esports fan because people yeah. would look at you funny. Yeah. And you, you know, watch big, people play video games. Big nerd over here watching people play video games. And it's like, yeah, of course I do. Uh, and they got good, that, man. they got that right away. So just based on, you know, their forward thinking in with esports, like they must have all, they're very good, very good as a company. Just look at see, figuring out what the next thing is and going right at it. So everybody pay attention to the score, whatever the ne- their next move is, probably a good shot, uh, try and take it with them. But I guess going back to, to my question, when you were covering college football, again, how much was the fan aspects needed, necessary, or how much did you kind of, again, try and toe that line or be that you know professional journalism from the sense like, hey, I'm just, I'm here to objectively give you, you know, what happened in the facts. Yeah, the nice part was I was, I was writing, it was traditional articles I was writing. So there was no, um, I wasn't in, in really putting in my own, um, my own like biases mm-hmm. and personalities in there. There were a couple of, like, I would do some articles here and there that were, you know, we would do power rankings for college football, or we do like, who are some prospects to watch? And there I could have a little bit more fun. But when we were doing like game reports or news posts, I mean, that's pretty, it's cut and dry. And it was, you know, it was easy to, freak out when I was watching Melvin Gordon steamroll people at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm writing up the article about, you know, this crazy highlight he did, or, you know, one of the many records, single game yeah. records he'd set, like that was pretty easy to just be like, okay, like what, what do people need to know to get as excited as I am about this? Because that's how I always saw sports. Um, they were always about the storylines, about the, the people stories. And like, how can I provide you with information that will get you as excited and get you on board as a fan as I will. That's how I kind of approach all my sports writing. I think that's a great way to approach it, right? Because when you hear my favorite thing to do is listen to someone who's passionate. I don't care what they're talking about. I just want to hear the passion and the energy come through them to me. Um, I have a great story. I, it was, I was in finance for a couple of years, hated every second of it. My favorite part was I was at some random conference and this guy was trying to explain the specific mutual fund that he came up with in like a dream one night and he was just explaining the story. And I was like, I want to listen to you talk all the time because I don't care about what you're saying. Just you're so excited. You're getting me excited. And that's exactly, it sounds like what you were doing. You were, Absolutely. you legitimately loved watching Melvin Gordon steamroll guys, except for that one game against Ohio state when they lost 59 to nothing. You love that opportunity and just get, let that passion flow through you to others so they can enjoy it as much as you. And I think that's what any journalist should be able to do. And again, if you could do it biasly, that's even better. Yeah. And I think it's also like I, everyone, everyone has done this or has had this done to them where there, somebody is not a sports fan. And how do you suck them in? You're not going to say, well, you got to watch Tom Brady because he's the, you know, the best quarterback and he throws really well. Somebody who's not interested in football. They don't care how good his footwork is or how great his vision is, mm-hmm. but you can sell them on the story and say, well, you know, this guy has won, you know, all these Super Bowls and people coming into this season think it's his last one. And, you know, his percentages here were down, but his yards were out. And there's like, you know, does he have it or does he not have it anymore? Like they're trying to figure out. And that's how you, people get drawn into the stories. And I've watched stuff with sports fans, with non-sports fans, sorry, who don't know what the hell they're watching in terms of the sport. Like they just have no idea, but you sell them on the storyline around it. I found it also the same with baseball too. It's like, well, you know, you know, this pitching matchup is actually really interesting because, you know, last time they faced it, like he socked out two home runs against him. And now, you know, they're playing the mind game and stuff. You draw people in with stories. Um, and then, and then sports become a little less intimidating. Mm-hmm. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. Baseball, man. I miss it. I miss it so yeah. much, but hopefully it comes back. Hopefully they all come back as soon as possible. I just saw, I think Toronto, I got a notification saying until June 30th, if I'm not mistaken. And that yeah. means no time soon, which thinks, no but it is, but we might it is. be the longest running NBA champions. <laughs> yeah. Right. That'd be kind of cool. Like, yeah. It'd be over a year, easily over a year at that yeah. point. Um, you know, that's kind of solid. Hey, keep celebrating, Sean, keep celebrating for all of us. Um, <laughs> our, our celebration was cut a little short here once Kawhi uh, ran over to LA. So whatever, man, it's fine. You, you enjoyed the one. That's all you need. Essentially. It's, I, it's, I'm it's not cool. complaining. Exactly. He'll be in Toronto lore forever and you guys can talk about it and it'll be great. I'll help put up the statue. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. And then, so uh, you're writing college football. As you said, you unfortunately or fortunately, you got the opportunity. You only did that for a few months before you actually switched over to the esports side. So what, what was, was that a, I know you had a funny story with your dad, but was that a personal choice or was that something that said, Hey, this is, you know, I guess a step up. Like, is this something you're interested in? Yeah. So it was definitely fortunately that I could write about college football because that was like my, I remember walking in and seeing like, there's, there was a row where we were sitting and there's like four TVs that are playing sports all the time. And I was like, oh, this is, let's I've go. made it like this. Is, I've made it <laughs> like I I'm coming into work on Saturday and I'm what I would be doing, what I'd be doing anyways, but I get to write yep. about it professionally and I'm getting paid to do it. Like it was, it was the pinnacle. And was it my second or third week working there? I was working with my friend who brought me in and she had come up to me and we, it's a, it, it it's a uh, open space in our office. It's an open concept office. So everybody knows everybody and it's awesome. You get to meet everyone and you know, you can actually, they're not just your colleagues. They're, you know, people you're chatting with, they're they're your friends. And um, she comes up and she says, Hey, like, what do you know about this? Like esports video game thing? Like how, how knowledgeable are you? And everyone, or I felt like everyone was looking at me. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I know a little bit there. Like I've written some articles for the, you know, on it. And, in reality, I've, I've been watching esports since like before university. I would stay up late and watch StarCraft streams. I would play, oh. like I, in high school, I played, uh, you know, I was, all my extracurriculars were sports. Uh, I played basketball, or basketball, sorry, I did not play basketball. I played um, football and baseball. And at lunchtime, I'd go into a computer lab with some guys and we played Dota, which is a nice. Warcraft 3 mod at the time. Yep. And after practice, what I do? I went home and I played video games, whether it was Madden or Halo. So for me, video games were always a part of it. And I love watching sports players, uh, sports, sorry, let me rephrase that. I love watching <laughs> athletes who perform at the highest level in their game. I love watching Kobe Bryant do what, he did, or what, do what he did on the basketball court. I love watching what Patrick Mahomes is doing now because they are the best at their, at their sport. Why wouldn't I want to watch the best gamers do what they're doing when I want to improve my game? Mm-hmm. And unlike sports, I know I'm never going to be the quarterback for the Kansas city chiefs. It took me a while to, you know, to kind of sit down and realize it, but I, I'm never going to be the running back. I'm never going to be the starting left tackle there, but maybe if I put enough time into these games, I could get to that level. Now, you know, that these guys, the skills that they have, no, you just like how I'll never be, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be faker or one of these guys, their mechanics, their, their in-game knowledge, their like, it's too high level, but you still kind of feel that if you put, there's not that physical barrier, you know, I don't need to be six, five to 60. So it's uh, that was always the alluring part of esports for me. So when I was approached, you know, and she, she was talking about this, she uh, had gone over and um, I had some talks with some people in the company and they were talking about how they, you know, saw esports as a, as an area they wanted to expand to, and they were looking to expand into it uh, in January. And this was, this was September. This was the beginning of the college football season at the time. 
And I was just like, yeah, I'm game. Let's do it guys. Like, this is awesome. I was actually going to pitch them something on esports because I thought it was crazy how nobody was doing it. And Mm -hmm. it just, people were watching it. It was the right age demographic that everybody wanted to hit. Like it just, it made sense. And funny enough, the score television network actually used to air um, Halo, MLG, uh, Major League Gaming Halo, which no I used way. to watch. It was yep. on like Wednesdays or Thursdays nights. And I would have to like find, you know, fight for the television. And like, yeah, I would watch Final Boss go at it on a Halo 2 map. Um, funny, and we've been off to the race. I mean, that was 2015. And now uh, it's 2020. And we've got the largest esports media uh, team in the world. And, you know, have a YouTube channel that's doing well. And it's awesome. It's awesome to I- see. I think it's amazing. And, and you're so right. I mean, full circle, like watching it as a young kid and being like, it would be kind of cool to work there and then getting the opportunity to work there. Like that is awesome in itself. And I just think, again, being forward thinking on something like that, not only did they say, you know, TV kind of sucks. Why are we wasting our time there? We can go all digital, probably make more money and have more fun. But then, as you said, forward thinking in no one is covering this, but there's how many people that watch random you know youtube channel name here like just some content creator like why don't we do that because it's you could see it from far away like looking back of course it's very obvious like oh yeah duh like how did how did nobody see this coming but it it was it was a lot of the people and i'm hand up i was one of was like why do you want to watch people play video games why don't you just play the video game well i want to watch patrick mahomes throw a football that doesn't mean I can go outside and even throw a football, right? Like I want to watch these guys and girls who are just incredible at what they do at whatever they do. I don't care. I want to see competition at the highest level, whatever it is. That was always it for me. It never, I couldn't get how people were baffled by, you know, gaming competitions because it was like, how is that any different from any mm-hmm. other type of competition? You're just watching the best players, the best athletes it, at their masters of their craft kind of putting that on display and of course you want to watch that as a fan as somebody who you know plays these games and so being there from the start of the esports um coverage what what has changed over these five years that you've seen like how how in the infancy of the coverage kind of what did you guys do what guys and girls do to versus what you're doing now and as you said it's the biggest esports media platform but what exactly does that look like and what is the what is the, the, how, how did we get there? Yeah, it was, um, I mean, we, we, we were a new division. Uh, we were covering esports, and our goal was, you know, to cover it the, the way that any other outlet would cover their sports. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, like, that's the biggest um, shift without kind of like, you know, th- there were a lot of little changes in there, but the big one is we were, we were primarily a written outlet. We would do written articles, um, and then we made a switch over to um, YouTube and Mm -hmm. did a lot of YouTube storytelling. And we went from more of the, I'd I'd say, you know, from the, um, you know, the game recaps, all that, all that, that good stuff that you would, uh, you would normally expect from it to digging into these stories. Cause we just found out that there are so many good and untold stories in esports and powerful stories. Like I can't even tell you, man, like you hear some really crazy stories in sports, you hear equally as crazy ones in esports. And we, we, we just, you know, had an idea that, you know, people are, these are awesome, really cool stories to tell. We're enthralled by these stories when our guys, you know, well, in between a League of Legends match that we're doing like a match recap on, you know, we're talking about the storylines there and I'm more sucked in on the storylines than what the result up there is. You know, I, I, it's almost secondary at that point. Like I'm buying in because I want to watch X player who I've heard, you know, all of his struggles like coming up and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, so it was, it was figuring out like what was the most gripping 
you know, it was a big part of it. Um, nobody else was telling these stories. And, um, and I'd say it worked out for us. So now we do uh, a lot. I mean, we do a lot of different stuff on our channel. Mm-hmm. We do some docu-style storytelling. We do, we do top 10 lists. Uh, we do some, we do still do reporting. Absolutely. Uh, we have a series um, that, that talks, you know, reports on esports and, uh, and everything that really happens on the internet, internet culture, gaming culture. Um, so we're I, like, we're, we're doing that a good job. I think it's serving uh, up every type of audience. I love it, man. And I think that's really important. And I love the, the, the idea you guys had in the beginning, as, as, as you said, where you guys were, um, you know, the score is originally a written, um, you know, written articles. And that's kind of how you got the point across. But you're going to be speaking to a different demographic. You know, these, the kids and the people watching esports, well, where are they watching them? On their laptops. So are they going to then want to switch over? It's like, no, make it as easy as possible for them. You just make the YouTube video that goes along with it. And that is essentially the article, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's exactly it. And it's just also, I think you see that like people, like we were talking about earlier, people's habits have changed. People don't want to read as much. Is that good or bad? That's not for me to judge. My judge is to serve up the, is to serve up an audience detail, you know, the storytelling that we expect to tell that we hold our, our standards to and to put it out in a way that people like to consume it. And people are enjoying consuming the stuff we're putting out. Keep doing it, man. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, before it, you used to only have newspapers, right? Yeah. And then you really only could have blogs because the internet wasn't fast enough. It couldn't do anything. I mean, now my personal favorite medium is podcasts. It's it's audio. I, that's how I prefer to get most of my information. Nothing wrong with that. Like I read too. Like I read books. I don't read like newspaper articles yeah. or anything, but I do sometimes and I watch videos sometimes. And just the opportunity there's different mediums and people like to take advantage of them differently and i know you guys kind of dabble in all of them fortunately yeah and it makes sense why would you not again some people like different things teach his own we said that earlier i think if i'm not mistaken that's exactly it and so with um with again being like how how do you okay actually here's a better question can you give me the definition of gaming versus esports so Oof, this this is a tough question. It doesn't have um, to be, you know. Like, no, no, just no, it's, it's good because I, I have my my uh, description of it. Oh. But, like, everybody has their their own description. Like mm-hmm. when you ask somebody to define sports, you know, you're going to get a hundred different definitions. Of okay, I get you that. So I would say gaming is the br- is, is is the broad landscape of it. It's like sports, gaming and sports. Esports is the competition side of it. So like myself loading into Call of Duty uh, with my buddies. That's not esports. We're we're playing. We're gaming, but you know, um, when Team Dignitas is going up against Evil Geniuses in the Le- in the LCS League Championship Series, that's esports. Mm-hmm. When there is, you know, I think you need stakes for esports. I you know whether that's a trophy or a title or a prize pool. Um, th- those are it's that level of competition. Whereas like gaming, I'd say is a more general term. Like when people when a guy like Ninja is streaming. He's he's not doing he, he's not doing esports. He's not competing in esports. When he's in these Fortnite tournaments, that's absolutely an esport. Mm-hmm. That's a different thing. So I'd say like that's where my line would be. Uh, I think that on. I think that's a pretty solid definition. I don't know. I'm I'm sure people might have some nuances with that, but other than I mean, I personally don't because heck, <laughs> who am I? But I just I always like to make sure that we're um we're getting some of that. And I saw in 2016 you guys won the best esports coverage 
yeah. website, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we and that's won an only, industry award, uh, the sports like awards a, for it. It was a year after you started, though. Like, yeah, that we were, is incredible. It was awesome. We, it was an incredible achievement. I mean, luckily, I work with incredibly talented people. So it's <laughs> when you got a lot of you know really talented people in a room, good things tend to happen. Um, and yeah, we were, uh, we were nominated and voted on by our peers. And it was an incredible award. And that was kind of a moment where it was like, okay, not only do do we know what we're doing is good and we feel good about it, but other people obviously feel really good about it. And it's really humbling. And it reminds you um, that you are really nothing without your audience. Yeah, a hundred percent. But I mean, it's just insane that you guys did that after a year. I know it obviously wasn't the most widespread. And now, as you said, the ESPN is covering it, Bleacher Report, obviously, but it's still very impressive after only a year being able to win yeah, something thanks, like that. And no, thank you, Sean, for doing what you do. I appreciate it. And I guess, so what is, what is your current role on, on the team with the esports side and, and within the score in general? So right now I'm, a, I'm the senior supervising editor um, and I essentially help manage the team um, that creates these videos and do various pr- production roles and, um, you know, do, do a lot of the admin stuff as well um, with our team, with, with my team of supervisors. Um, and, do you miss, and yeah. do you miss the content creation side of it though? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a change. I mean, I, I got into journalism, like we said before, it was to tell stories. I got in here to tell stories and, you know, to be boots on the ground, telling those stories, a lot of fun, but, um, I'm, I I'm not ashamed to say it. We have a lot of really good people who are, who know more than me and are better than me at telling stories doing that. And my belief, not only as, as a manager, but as, um, it's just, you know, somebody in the industry is you want to put the best, you know, you want to make sure that you got the best people um, working on these stories, telling these stories with, you know, care and compassion and to be able to, you know, do that, help out with the scheduling and stuff like that. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I'm I just th- happy to play my role on the team. Exactly. And you're still next to it. You're still within it, right? It's not like you're in a completely different industry or anything. Like I always just like asking that questions to people that, that have risen the ranks. Like, obviously you did such a good job. You got promoted to this level, but unfortunately at this level, you don't get to do the, what you got into doing this for. It's like this weird, like ironic battle that you have with yourself. Like I want to make more money and, and do better in my career, but I was having so much fun writing about college football. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah, exactly. I was, I always laugh with some of the guys I was on the college football team with. And like, remember when, you know, we would get scheduled for like the late games and it was being, you know, Saturday at 3 a.m. Where was I? I was waiting for like UCLA, Washington state to get out of four, four, like quadruple overtime. I love it, man. Yeah. That that game this year was insane. 61, 62. I think something stupid like that. that. Packed all after dark, baby. Let's do it. I love it. Uh, Sean, last question I have for you. I mean, thank you again for your time. This was absolutely fantastic. I've been having a blast. Like what is, what is your like, personal trajectory like where like maybe you don't have it i'm not going to ask where do you want to be in five years that's a pretty boring question and kind of stupid um but like what what is like the personal trajectory where are you aiming and where are you trying to get to in your career and and in in life in general i guess i mean for my career i'd love i I wish i could sit here and tell you exactly where i see myself in five years but just based on on the industry the industry is ever changing it's always moving i mean if you had told me five six ten years ago that i was going to be covering esports for a living I'd say you were nuts. <laughs> I'd say you were crazy. And not only am I, am I doing that, but you know, it, it's been working out. And um, I just think the landscape changes, changes a lot. Um, personally, I want to keep growing as a professional. I want to keep telling great stories because that's what I always come back to. And that's the one thing on our channel that I just, I absolutely 
pride, pride, pride myself and take pride in our whole team in doing is that we tell these incredible stories that I don't care if you know the ins and outs of Counter-Strike or you're just learning about it for the first time, you can sit down, watch our stories and feel an emotional connection. And I've, I've shared some videos to people who have never picked up a controller or never really used a mouse and a keyboard to play games before. And now they're watching competitive games, like on a, not a regular basis, but they're tuning into it because of these stories that really gripped you. So I, I just want to be telling cool stories. I love it. And I, I never want to stop. Would it be all right if I lied and had like two more questions for you? Dude, I've I got nothing going on. Let's talk Killing, uh, for another hour. So, so well, maybe maybe not another hour. I definitely need. <laughs> yeah, to eat you've got things soon. to do. <laughs> I kind of need to eat dinner soon. Um, no, but so um, you bring up a really great point with with people not knowing gaming. I think this, you know, I, again, I want to keep this towards the end. The the coronavirus aspect of the episode. I totally forgot. Um, so we could have almost made it through one, but I got to bring it up. Uh, like with with what's happening in esports, with what's happening in gaming and, and the streaming aspect there's no real sports on i've been watching the nba 2k league the last couple nights because it's on um i've been watching some old games so if you haven't in a while what anybody out there listening uh 2006 fiesta bowl boise state and oklahoma most incredible game i might have watched my entire life just rewatched that the other night with some of my liberty Oh my goodness, dude, that game was insane. But with, with the opportunity that esports has, as, we, as you said, 10 years ago, nobody would have saw this coming. Or you, look, people saw it coming, but nobody would have actually thought it was like, oh yeah, he's sure. I didn't guy. think it would be at this level. But, <laughs> no, but where we are, especially right now, because there's nothing else going on, people like me, I'll be honest, I don't really watch too much esports or gaming, really. Uh, I only do it now because I have to. And I'm starting to enjoy it, right? I like the commentators, the announcers, what's happening. Again, it's the highest level of competition. How, as you said before we got on, business is absolutely booming right now because there's nothing else to do. So how can esports and gaming take advantage of this? Not so that it's just, you know, this one month or two, but they can come out of this with just an entire brand new set of eyeballs that are going to continue to come back and continue to watch and care about what's going on. Yeah, honestly, as somebody who's been immersed in it for really immersed in it in the last five years, but has always known about it, uh, you know, last decade or so, um, I would just say that like they are people who are just tuning into it because there's really not much else to do and they're looking for some entertainment or like I know I was craving competition and I'm, I'm, I like League of Legends. I'm not a huge League of Legends fan, but I couldn't wait for the League of Legends games that we come in just to see some something competitive going on. And I think those people who are tuning in for the first time just to scratch that competitive itch or just to, you know, hear about or check out what's going on, what they're hearing about, they're going to be wowed by just the, the level, the quality of, of what the product that's being put out there. I mean, you can see, check out any of the, you know, esports. Uh, e I hate using the term esports because it's such a blanket term, exactly, but like yeah. any of the Counter-Strike uh, streams that are going on that, you know, ESL is doing anything that the League of Legends that Riot puts on, like these are, these are fully blown out productions i know that like the the league of legends guys one one dude that we met uh, when we were covering an event down at madison square garden around 2015 ish um i was chatting with one of their production guys and he came from like the nfl on cbs like <laughs> you know like he, he came from a big area like these are all professionals so i think they're gonna be i think a lot of people have still have the preconception that oh you know it's just a bunch of nerds getting together and playing it like a land party or i hate using the parents basement thing but that's their perception and then they're going to tune into it and see the level of production quality that goes into it to see like you said the care that the cat that the casters and announcers are taking and they're going to get sucked into it and say oh you know this isn't like a schlocky production this is this is the real deal and 
it's only been getting bigger. I really hope that the people who are getting into it not only stick with it, but also get to know the stories behind it because it's, it gets rid of that entry barrier um, if you're not totally sure what's going on. Like I watch a lot of Counter-Strike. I don't play Counter-Strike. But the reason I watch it is because it's an easy game to understand and the stories in that scene are incredible. And, That's awesome, man. And I, it really sucked me into it. So I think, I think just based on that, there's going to be a lot of staying power there. And you were talking about how some people are capitalizing. I actually think it's a way for the, a lot of traditional athletes have been, um, have been capitalizing on it as well. I was watching last night, and I forget her name, um, but one of the stars on the U.S. Uh, women's national soccer team was playing, you know, streaming her COD uh, Warzone games. That's awesome. I saw that like the Madden, similar to like what the NBA is doing with their 2K League, like the Madden one was going on. And I watched Tyreek Hill go at it against the Honey Badger and saw all the crap that they were talking mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, they're, for these guys, it's no brainer. They're not playing anymore. They can get their whole brand out to a new audience and kind of see, see what's out there. I mean, there have been a ton of athletes and uh, artists and, you know, big megastars who have always streamed. And it makes sense because I don't know about you, but like gaming was just always a part of my life. Like yeah. I said, like after school, mm-hmm. I'm coming home to play Mario Kart or I'm logging on to play Counter-Strike online or I wouldn't play Counter-Strike because I awful at shooters but uh you know i come and play warcraft and stuff like that i played a Uh, lot of starcraft growing up yeah i played a lot too and then i learned about online play and i was like yeah i'm gonna stick to the single i got annihilated dude it was a joke (laughs) i would get killed every time i was like yeah i'm just gonna i'll just remember all the cheat codes and play it this way i enjoy it more but no man i I completely agree i think you know all these athletes and there's always been multiple like gordon hayward's always been doing a juju smith schuster dr pence has been a big uh, esports advocate and, and i love it and it's even cool like the cooler aspect of it is again watching that nba 2k league and hearing names that i was like oh my gosh i forgot about them but they've kind of risen like orlean starkwa formerly of the new york giants i heard his name i don't even know how many times last night or two nights ago joel berry i'm a very big duke fan he went to unc i respect the hell out of him because he was incredible he's kind of in the g league so he's doing his thing and i respect it but he's probably now better known as you know uh through this NBA 2K league than he is actually as a basketball player anymore. I think it's great that these athletes can take what brand they had and be able to utilize it somewhere else and then build upon it there rather than in the original concept. It was, Oh, you're not playing football or basketball anymore. Okay. See ya. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Trevor May is a great example. He's the one that popped up the top of my head. Cause I watch a lot of, you know, Ninja and Dr. Lupo and Tim the Tatman. And when Fortnite was really blowing up in 2018 and like everyone was getting in on it, like, Trevor May, a relief pitcher for the Twins at the time, I'm not sure where he's at now, was always squatting up with these guys. And I got to know Trevor May. And I would, when he came back from his injury, like, yeah, you're, I was watching the one inning that he was pitching mm-hmm. because I felt attached to this guy who, to be quite honest, I didn't know anything about before he was streaming with these guys. Exactly. Um, it's kind of nice to know that they're real people too, right? They're not just a baseball player. They also, they play video games just like me. That's exactly it. Like, I'll, I'll never forget too. Like, I'm, I'm not, I come from an EPL household. I'm not a huge, uh, huge EPL soccer fan. And I remember I was watching Ninja. He was playing, again, this was in 2018. And I was like, uh, I called my, my dad and I was like, hey, have you ever heard of this guy like Harry Kane? I think it's Harry Kane. I hope I forget his name or mess up his name. And like, and this other dude, um, Deli Alley. And he's like, yeah, those are like the two biggest stars on Tottenham. And like Kane <laughs> is like, I, I don't know if he's the captain on the English team, but like on yeah, the national yep. team. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, they were playing with Ninja for a couple hours at lunch, and you know they were all trying to be assertive. And then I think it was Deli Alley or one guy is like, "Everyone, shut up! Like, let Ninja make the calls. Like, we don't That's know what funny. the hell we're doing." <laughs> That's awesome, man. No, and exactly. he was like, "So how?" He's like, "You know about these guys now?" And I was like, "Yeah, they're on my radar." And like, 
yeah, I'm going to follow them and see what's up. Like they seem like cool dudes. Cause that's another thing too, is that like when you're streaming your games and these athletes are on there, they're showing off their personality in ways that you couldn't do when mm-hmm. the kind of the NFL machine is there or, you know, the, the kind of the, the league, uh, mm-hmm. the league machine is there and behind it. They're just, they're being real. And it's, there's something very personal about it too, because just like now, I mean, when somebody's streaming on their webcam, it might seem impersonal, but it's a glimpse into their house, their life. You're, you're literally coming into their living room, their bedroom. And I think that's a really powerful connection that they make. And that's a way for athletes who seem, you know, bigger than life to become a little less. So like we were talking mm-hmm. about Dwayne Bow before I didn't get to bring it up before, but I'm glad I got to bring it out now. Like when Dwayne Bow was drafted by the chiefs, he was one of the first people, I, one of my first tweets of all time, I tweeted Dwayne Bow, And I can't remember, I asked him something about the combine and he responded to me. And it was like a two line answer. And I was the happiest Kansas City Chiefs fan mm-hmm. in the world for two weeks. I was the happy, I was like, I showed people, I was like, Dwayne Bow answered me. That's awesome. Took the time. I'm a nobody up in Montreal. Yep. And he just tweeted back at me like, I got it. <laughs> I love it, man. That's awesome. And little did you know, he would be completely useless on the Chiefs. But other than that, uh, Sean, this was awesome. Sincerely, man, you were fantastic. I know I, oh, I extended it me, by man. a couple a of minutes, fun. but um, Sean Tepper, senior supervising editor, esports and video games at The Score. A lot of links in the show notes. I promise everybody that, but thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate your time today, man. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of For the Love of Sports with Sean Tepper. As I said, super cool to get to talk to him about what he saw in the esports and video game arena, obviously with what's going on now with coronavirus and everything, and really just understanding how he's been able to do what he's done in the world of journalism and how much he loved that. Uh, I think he makes some great points when it comes to, you know, don't worry about how the information gets there, just worry about if and when um, more than anything. So I think that's some great information to take away. Make sure to please follow Sean and The Score on all their socials. Everything will be in the show notes. Please also give us a five-star review wherever applicable, whatever you're listening to us on. We would sincerely appreciate the help. So thank you so much for your time. The only thing we don't get more of, so I appreciate you giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day. Yes!